For most of the offseason, the hot stove has been anything but hot in the MLB. But in the last week, we got some moves, and we are talking about them today on today's Dinging Corners. Before we get too far into this podcast, I wanted to share with you something big, something exciting that we have going on New Year's Day, which is tomorrow, and that is huge breaks. 2017 Select, that's Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, and 2019 Flawless. We're talking Zion. We're talking Ja Morant here. Some huge, huge breaks. So if you want to watch, if you want to join in on the fun, go to YouTube at 3 p.m. Eastern. Go to Slab Stocks uh, page and join in on our live stream. We'll be a ton of fun. We'll be there. We'll be talking cards. Uh, we'll be opening some big time product. So I hope to see you all there and I hope you all enjoy. Welcome everyone to Ding and Corners, a baseball podcast powered by Slab Stocks. I'm your host, Nate. And today I am clearly not in my home office. I am in Slapstock Sam's home office. But that doesn't change what Dinging Corners is about. And we are going to be talking about the offseason so far, specifically because we finally had a little bit of moves in the offseason, and it was all the Padres. So last week they signed Kim um, from Korea, and he is a third baseman, second baseman, but he um, third baseman shortstops, third baseman, second baseman. Uh, but his positions are taken up by Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis. And so he is going to have to move around a little bit. Uh, and second base is Jake Cronenworth. So he's going to have to move around. They also, they're not going to play him at first because they've got Eric Cosmer to that big deal. So he's going to be a utility guy. Just the rich get richer. Ton of, ton of added, uh, position versatility and a bat there, which is really nice for the Padres. Um, they also added Yu Darvish. So Yu Darvish and Victor Carantini for, and I have the names up here, Zach Davies, obviously, uh, pitcher, former Brewer. Zach Davies, I love him, did really well last year, but he is very similar to Kyle Hendricks, soft thrower, a lot of junk, uh, pinpoint command type of guy. And so I'm, I'm curious as to what will happen for the Cubs when they have two guys similar in the same rotation, they're not going to be able to throw them back to back. Um, but also you can't really throw them first and fifth because what happens if Zach Davies starts off a series and then they go to Kyle Hendricks, that's two, two guys that are very similar in a row. I don't think you really want that. So I'd probably go first and fourth and just hope that you don't have too many games where you have a guy uh, pitch the first day and the third day type of thing. Um, so that's interesting, Zach Davies. Then you've got Reginald Preciado, Jason Santana, Owen Cassie, and Ismail Menea, if I'm saying that right. And I probably butchered all of those, except for maybe Owen uh, or Casey. Interesting deal there. Not a huge return for you, Darvish. Uh, some interesting players. Some guys, uh, I believe, Reginald is going to be a top 100 prospects on Fangraphs. I saw something about that. But, again, not, you know, one top 100 prospect guy and a bunch of lottery tickets, uh, interesting lottery tickets. But still, for you, Darvish, that guy goes to show you that in one year, Zach Davies, goes to show you that you, Darvish, 
despite being really good last year, is 35, has three years left of his deal, and is owed a bunch of money. How much can you really get back for that? The Cubs got out of the contract, and they got some interesting pieces back in. But for the most part, it was a salary dump trade. Um, they got Zach Davies back, which is a nice pitcher, and has had really good stats uh, to slot into that rotation. So they're not losing out on a ton, ton. But I'd much rather have you, Darvish. So it's really nice as a Brewers fan watching the Cubs take a major step backwards. And then lastly, and this is the one we're going to talk about today, and that is the Blake Snell trade. And I've got the names here, too. And Blake Snell went to from the Rays to the Padres for Luis Patino, who is the major get here, the major top 20 pros- pitching prospect who has some of the nastiest stuff in the minors. Huge, huge play there. Francisco Mejia, who obviously many of you will remember as the guy that had the very long hitting streak a couple years ago in the minors and went on to become a top you know, 25 prospect himself, but is now uh, a couple years removed from that and has been kind of disappointing uh, catching prospect there. Um, and maybe they can have him bounce back a little bit. And then they got Blake Hunt and Cole Wilcox. Blake Hunt, if I remember correctly, was a first baseman. Cole Wilcox was a pitcher drafted in the third round but paid over slot this year. Um, and so two interesting gets there. A very good return, a significantly better return for Blake Snell than for you, uh, Darvish. Now, the reason we're going to talk about Blake Snell today is because he's the interesting piece. People aren't going to be uh, paying for Kim, and they're not going to be buying you, uh, Darvish cards. But Blake Snell, interesting player, interesting uh, opportunity there. Obviously, he won the Cy Young Award in 2018 and then had a little bit of a down year in 2019, but bounced back in a big way in 2020. So we're going to take some time today and look at his stats from 2019 and 2020, along with his catcher's stats and park factors. And we are going to see if we can predict how he's going to do and then if there is some value to be had because he's going from race team, who is obviously very good but doesn't have a huge fan base, to a Padres team who has a bigger fan base, who is in a beautiful city, um, who has major players around him to draw attention in, in Fernando Tatis and many Machado guys like that, but not going to be drawing attention away from the pitchers because pitchers and catchers are really kind of separate. You've got a bunch of really good players, but if you have too many good position players, a like back-end uh, like the Dodgers with Will Smith, very good, but you have too many really interesting p- position players in front of him to ever get his due, especially as a catcher. But on the p- on the pitcher side, you know, if you have a really good pitcher, they're not going to take away from the position players, and the position players aren't going to take away from the pitcher. Uh, it's kind of separate in my mind anyways. And here we go. So we've got the uh, little MLB trade rumors up. Shout out MLB trade rumors if you don't use it. It is a wonderful little, like, you can get the app, and it will just give you updates on everything that happens uh, in the world of sports. And they're fairly quick. You know, Twitter is quickest, but if you want little write-ups on everything, um, MLB Trade Rumors is great. NBA uh, Hoops Rumors is great. Uh, Pro Football Rumors, I believe, is the football one. That's good. And you've got, obviously, Pro Hockey Rumors, too. Oh, yeah, and Hoops Rumors. Anyways, I digress. Let's jump into a couple things here. And so I got to pull up this other computer. Um, We're going to be talking about Blake Snell a little bit. And so let's just jump into his stats slightly. And so you've got 
all of these stats here. Obviously, Blake Snell, 28 years old, 6'4", lefty, really good. And uh, last year, last year, we're seeing 50 innings pitched of a 3.24 ERA, but FIP did not think he was as good. But FIP is a little bit of a iffy stat anyway, so I don't take too much uh, stock into it. Um, worth about half a win above replacement, which is pretty good for a pitcher in only 50 innings. Um, but not, you know, not spectacular. They paid for an ace. I don't necessarily think Blake Snell is an ace. Um, but strikeout number is really good, 11.34. Uh, walk rate right in, in line with But the home run rate was pretty high, 1.8 uh, home runs per nine innings. He gave up 10 home runs in 11 games. Uh, that's pretty drastic, and I would expect that to regress to his career norms. But we will get into that more in a little bit. And so then you have um, just a couple other things to keep in mind. Ground ball right, 49.2%. Uh, that will be important because the Padres have a very good infield defense. Manny Machado at third, uh, Fernando Tatis at shortstop, Jake Cronenworth at second, um, and uh, uh, Eric Hosmer at first. Some good infield defense there, uh, and that will be a major a major factor. So we've got baseball reference. Here's his regular baseball reference page. You're looking at it, and you can go down here and you see splits. Um, you've got everything else we need. His 2018, his Cy Young year when he won a 1.89 ERA, but only 180 innings. And that is the big thing with Blake Snell is that he does not throw a bunch of innings. Um, clearly, 180 is his career high. He threw 129, 180, 170, and then obviously 50. Um, 50 innings in 11 games started. That's less than five innings a game. That's not spectacular by any means. Uh, if you're paying for an ace, you kind of want him to go far into games, at least six innings, you know, five to six. He's not even going uh, five currently. Um, so that's something to also keep in mind here is that when you're paying for an ace, you're expecting him to be an ace, but they paid for a five inning guy here. And even then, maybe not too uh, quite a five inning guy. So let's jump into his stats. There's going to be a lot of scrolling today. I am sorry about that, but there's a lot of things we have to look at. So looking at the overall numbers, oh, I was going to look at the overall numbers here. Uh, 4.29 ERA, 3.24 ERA, 107 innings. If we look even closer at some of the other stuff, strikeouts right, we all looked at that pretty good. So we have his 2020 splits here, and we're looking at it, and I'm sorry the uh, ads are a little annoying. But 2020 splits, looking at platoons versus righties, he gave up a 736 OPS versus lefties, a 691 OPS. If you go to 2019 and look at the same thing, a 661 OPS, but versus lefties, an 893 OPS. He was significantly worse in 2019 than he was in 2018, but he was significantly better in the second half of the season. So you're looking first half, 18 games, second half, five games, not too many. But a, two, a uh, 183 average, 290, 283 for 573 OPS compared to a 725 OPS in the first half. So significantly better there in 2019. And he continued it in 2020. He was really good um, home and away. 661 OPS, 776 OPS there. Uh, and then no real first half, second half. But by splits, he struggled a little bit in July and then got much better in August, much better in August, much better in September. 
Um, but again, Blake Snell, paying for an ace, but not necessarily an ace. These numbers, these numbers do not portray an ace here. So let's look at these home and away factors here. So home 2020, 661 OPS, away 776 OPS. Home in 2019, 652 OPS and a 751 OPS. Um, now let's look at park factors here so we can get a little bit of a feel for it. And I've got, we've got runs per game here. And if you go down the, field, uh, the screen a little bit, you can find Tropicana, St. Pete's. That's where his home ballpark is. And his runs per game is 9 .0 .0 0.955 runs per game. Um, and then you go down a little bit and Petco is 0.899. So Petco, a little bit more, uh, a little bit better of a park for uh, preventing runs. Um, that will be a little bit of a boost to him. If you go to home runs, though, you look, and Petco is eighth here, uh, significantly worse than St. Pete's, which is 23rd. Um, and that's a big that's a big issue because he had big home run issues this last year. We are talking, oh, this is the one we want. We are talking uh, 1.8 home runs per nine innings on the season. That's not uh, a good stat. It's obviously way higher than his career averages, but... Um, for a guy like Blake Snell, you'd like to see the park go in the opposite direction, not in that direction. So there might be a little bit of home run issues. But the nice thing is, if we scroll down here, his ground ball rate, 49%, um, which went up from 2019 and is more in line with his career averages. You have that type of ground ball uh, rate with that infield. And I expect a lot more outs out there. Um, and then also a lot of guys pull... Uh, which is nice because you're pulling towards, you know, some of their best defenders if you're a righty. And when we're talking righties, you know, you're looking at versus righties. He had a 661 OPS. So if righties are pulling against him and hitting towards Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis and hitting on the ground, I expect big things. And there's a decent amount of righties, obviously, in the NL West. We're talking Justin Turner, um, not Cody Bellinger, right? Not Jock Peterson, but Justin Turner, um, Nolan Arenado, guys like that, that he'll be facing more often. You know, big bats that will be uh, kind of dimmed down a little bit by Blake Snell's peripherals. Anyways, so we've looked at home and away. We've looked at park factors. You know, we are, he's good at home. He's bad away. Well, he's going into a park that prevents more runs but gives up more home runs, but he should have a better defense, so that's pretty exciting there. Um, and then let's look at by-inning stats for 2019 and 2020. So if you scroll down to the bottom here, so first inning you can see struggled in 2019, 645 ERA, second inning 208, third inning 419 ERA, fourth inning 675, and fifth innings 565. If he gets to the sixth and seventh inning, he did well. But again, that was only 13 innings combined. Um, the reason for that is because generally he got to those innings when he was really doing well. And most of the other games, he wasn't doing well. He did not get there. So if he was feeling it, I expect the sixth and seventh innings to, to look good compared to the rest of these innings because the only time he pitched in those innings was when he was really feeling well on the mound. So you're looking at this. And 
2019 is a little bit off because he had a bad year. But all right in the second and third innings, right? And then significantly worse in the fourth and fifth innings. If we go to 2020, uh, uh, really good in the first inning, really good in the second inning, really good in the third inning. Fourth inning, significantly worse. And then fifth inning, significantly worse than his first, second, and third innings, but not too bad. And he only pitched into the sixth inning two times, and he was bad. Now, what we get from this is that he is he's not an ace. He's not going to be putting up huge stats. He's going to be putting up maybe eight strikeouts in five innings and looking really good there. But he's never going to get the complete games. He's not going to get the shutouts. He's not going to get those sexy stats that you look up and you're like, oh, man. Uh, you know, so-and-so had just had nine innings, 12 strikeouts, one hit, zero walk game. Uh, I got to go buy him. That's not Blake Stell. That's not what, what's going to be happening. And if you even go farther and look at pitch count here, um, does pretty well on the OPS, 498, 708. Uh, the first, you know, 50 pitches of the game, which somewhat the first two times through the order, maybe a little bit uh, worse per se, first time through the order at least. But then you get second and third time through the order, and we're looking at an 880 OPS, a 739 OPS from pitches 76 to 100, and then pitches 100 plus, uh, a, ter- a 1600 OPS last year. And if we go back even farther to 2019, um, he did a little bit better, but he only had three at-bats of 100 plus pitches. So the dude, just he does not throw a ton of pitches, he does not throw deep into games, and you are not getting an ace. And so while I think the move to Petco will help his image and help him get out there more, and the defense behind him will help, even though the, the raised field is a little bit better for him, I think the defense will be a big thing. I think his home runs will regress back to the mean or to the norm. Huge problem with innings pitched, and I just don't think that that is just a viable you know, a viable candidate to invest in. But let's move on and let's look at his catcher. So Austin Nola and Victor Carantini are going to be his catchers for this year. Austin Nola, obviously 1.3 war. He had a really good last year, year last year. Very good hitter. If you go down to his wins above replacement, uh, baseball reference thinks he's merely a, you know, 0.0 defensive war. So probably like a league average guy. But if we go over to Fangraphs, uh, shout out Fangraphs. If you can support them, you know, $20 a month for a membership, uh, they can stay around and I can still take these stats for my videos. So shout out Fangraphs. But we're looking here and I've got the last two years. You can go onto the leaderboard section and you can go down to batting. And in batting, for some reason, you can choose fielding. And then you can go and I went catcher. I went Minimum innings, zero, because I didn't want qualified. And then 2019, 2020 here that you can see if you're following my mouse and submit. And if you're listening, uh, you know, just imagine it. And we go through and we look and you see a bunch of catcher stats here, you know, and they're not all important. What is important is this defensive one. Um, That's how valuable they are. You don't really need to know too much about it besides the fact that it really checks out. JT Realmuto, the best. Yasmani Grandal, the second best. Christian Vasquez, Austin Hedges. Austin Hedges, obviously one of the best defensive catchers. And I'd rather have him him catching, but he is gone from the Padres now, so it doesn't really matter. If you scroll down all the way to the bottom of the first page, you'll see Austin Nola, who 
2.3 or 6.5, which is good. He only that was all from last year. And then if you do framing, um, which will be interesting because Blake Snell will be able to paint the corners a little bit better. If you do framing and you go down and you will find Austin Nola here at 28th, 2.3, that is good. Um, but Mike Zanino a little bit better, 3.7. But Mike Zanino had 600 more innings caught than Austin Nola last year. And so uh, he is getting an upgrade. Blake Snell is getting an upgrade in the catching department from framing. And along with that, you've also got Victor Carantini, who is 27th and had a pretty good 7.7. .7, so he's a little higher than Austin Nola also in the defensive metric over here. Um, so he's got better catchers this year, uh, which is a boost to him. Um, and so a lot of things, a lot of things boosting Blake Snell's market up, which is really nice to see, uh, including his catching. But again, must be pointed out that Austin Nola has only caught his max innings caught in a year is 80 innings. And so while he should be the main catcher because he's got the significantly better bat, I don't know how much he will be catching Blake Snell because I don't know how much they will want to put him back there as a 31-year-old catcher that hasn't caught a ton in his career. Um, and how many, you know, if they want to lose that bat, even though they've got a ton of good bats all over the order. So whichever way you put it, Victor Carantini, uh, Austin Nola, good catchers, going to be framing well for him. Uh, good defensive catchers, at least average defensive catchers, so no no real knock there. Um Moving parks isn't going to be a huge factor, I don't think. Uh, better defensive infielders there, so that will be nice. But the big issue, the big, big issue, and you've got like Trent Grisham out there who gold glove last year. The big issue is going to be the number of innings pitched and people paying money for an ace and paying prospects for an ace but not getting an ace upside there. Um, and so let's look at the prices here. And so we've got... Scrolling up, 2011 Broman Chrome Auto Blake Snell in parentheses, and I am using a different computer, so I do not have the suplex insights, so I cannot look up the uh, best offer accepted. Um, we're not going to look at this one because this is a screenshot of a picture for $80, probably a fake card. Most definitely a fake card. Um, something that if you see this, little side note, if you see a screenshot of a card ever, don't bid on it. Don't bid on it. Unlikely. Very unlikely to be a real card. And if it is, shame on the person who put it on there. They should not be taking a screenshot. Wait till it's in hand. Take a real photo so that people know it's real. Now, what we're looking at here is PSA 9, $150, not crossed out. So we know somebody paid $150. $215 for a BGS 9.5 refractor. Um, again, $160 for a PSA 10. Uh, $90 for a PSA 9 on December 27th. Somebody just popped that. $80 not crossed out. But if we go to the middle of November, right, November 23rd, Refractor, you know, that BGS 9.5 was uh, $215. This is $60. We're looking at PSA 9s of non-refractors for $80, and you're looking at a PSA 9 of a refractor for $60 and a non-graded for $60. Um, so prices have definitely gone up on Blake Snell. But have they gone up as high as they were in October? And the answer is yes. Uh, they are higher. We're looking at refractors, $75, 
non-graded base, $60. And you're looking at PSA 9 for 80 And baseball, PSA 9s have not caught up to basketball. PSA 9s for basketball and the right quarterback, significantly more expensive than a non-graded base. But for baseball, not the case. And so when you're looking at these, know that Blake Snell's market has gone up. Um, actually, $95 here for a, for a guy. But this was in the midst of you know the their playoff run. So it went down. It is back up now. If we're just looking at these, that's a significantly high price to pay for a PSA 9, $150. Um, and if we take off sold listings so we can look what's here, uh, 50 bucks for non-graded, another 50 bucks. Of course, these cards might be in rough shape. They've been around for a while. They haven't been graded. But there are some deals out here. All I'm trying to say is that finally we had some off-season movement. And we've got one major guy that is potentially an investment moving. Everyone else this offseason, not really an investment. Blake Snell is the first one that is an investment. And I'm sitting here and I'm looking at all the stats. And you might disagree with me. You might agree with me. You might not. But I'm sitting here and saying, all right, you know, everything looks good from park factor wise. Everything looks good from the defensive wise. He had a nice bounce back season. I don't see why that can't continue. But he just doesn't pitch deep into games. When he gets into the sixth inning, when he gets into 100-plus pitches, he gets into trouble. And that is just not an ace. That is a very nice pitcher. That is a solid number two, number three. Um, if you've got a good bullpen, a really good guy, if you've got a good bullpen, like he works spectacularly on the Brewers with Josh Hader and Devin Williams and those guys back there and all the random guys they get that turn into studs for a year. Uh, he would look great on the Brewers. But, you know, some teams, they need him to go farther. And so... I just don't think that Blake Snell at these prices is a worthwhile investment. I just don't think he has the stats that are going to you're going to look up at the end of the year and say, "Wow, that is the guy that I want to invest in." That is an ace, solid number two, yes, ace, no, and they pretty much paid for an ace. So there is my little off-season update today. I like to thank you all for listening. Uh, next week, we should be doing Hall of Famers against you know today's position players to see if we can get anything. That was from a follower that sent me a DM. I started working on it this week and realized it was just too much information to cram into the time I allowed myself to study. So we switched pace. We did a little off-season update, and I hope you all enjoyed it. Um, if there is any more big moves in the off-season, expect more of these as the weeks go on. Anyways, thank you all for listening to Ding Corners today, and I will talk to you again next time.